The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. It's Christian rhythms, traditionally known as the means of grace, to help stimulate this cultivation of Jesus. And so if you were around last week, he will kicked off the series by looking at the Christian rhythm of fasting. Who was here? It was a really, really encouraging message. If you weren't around last week, if you are new today, I encourage you to jump on the website to listen to the uh, message because it was refreshing, which is not often the case when you hear messages on fasting. Who's with me? Often you feel like, you know, giving up after a message on fasting. You kind of think, I, I can't do it. But that certainly wasn't the case last week. And so I commend the message to you. This week, we're thinking about a second discipline or second spiritual practice or rhythm and it's also inward in nature, like fasting, and that is the Christian practice of meditation, Christian meditation. And so we're going to investigate this subject, this theme, under the following two headings or categories, and I trust these are going to be helpful. The first is the, me- the mechanics of meditation, the mechanics of meditation, that is, thinking about the, the what, the why, the how questions concerning meditation, and then that will naturally take us, I believe, to the second consideration or the bigger question of motivation. What's the motivation of meditation? What, that is, what, what is it that actually helps us cultivate this Christian practice, meditation? And so that's where we're heading in this message. We're thinking about the mechanics and the motivation, so let me pray before we jump in. Father, we want to just steal ourselves right now, Lord God, before we come to reflect on reflection, before we think about meditation. Lord, I, I pray that you would enable me by your spirit to speak clearly and pastorally and prophetically as well, Lord God. I pray that you would enable your people to hear what you are saying to them. And ultimately, Lord God, that there would be inner transformation as we encounter more of you. That's what we're praying for. Lord Jesus, thank you for being with us, and I know that you're going to be touching hearts and changing lives this morning, and so I ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Now, instinctively from the get-go, I know I need to give you a definition of Christian meditation, Uh, and the reason why I say that is because often when we hear terms such as meditation, what comes to our minds is not always that helpful or biblical. For example, when I was a new Christian, I'd be sitting in my home church in, in the UK, and I'd hear the pastor talk about meditation. And I'd be sitting there as a, a newbie Christian, quite confused and a little bothered, because when he mentioned the term meditation, what often popped into my mind was someone cross-legged, empty-headed, with their arms stretched out, with their fingers in this position, saying, um. And I'd be sitting there in my seat going, um, like what? Is that what we do as Christians, this kind of meditation thing? And, 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 and someone had to explain to me, No, that's not really what Christian meditation is. And so from the get-go here, we need to think about the what question. What exactly is Christian biblical meditation? Now, before I dump the definition on you, I want to kind of set up the definition by asking you this question. How many of you have ever worried about something in your life? How many... It's a stupid question, isn't it, right? Because we all worry about things often. Now, Now, listen, why do you worry? Why do you become anxious about something? Because you're thinking, right? It's deliberate, concentrated thought and that particular thing that starts to get you down. For example, the upcoming exam that's in two days and you haven't studied for it. 
uni guy, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you've studied, you kind of, and you start to think about it, like, two days left, and I haven't studied, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. And the more you think about it, the more anxious you become. Why? Because you constantly are thinking about it. Now, now that in a very real sense, listen to me, is what meditation is. It's concentrated thought. And so this morning, I wanted to take meditation out of the realm of the clouds and bring it down to our everyday lives because we all do this thing called meditation. I haven't arrived at Christian meditation yet, but this is a very real sense of what meditation is. It's reflecting on things, things that can get us down. And so apply that idea of meditation, concentrated thought, to this definition now of Christian meditation. Christian meditation is simply put, the habit or the practice of deeply reflecting on the many truths of the Bible. That's what it is. It's the the habit. It's the rhythm of just stopping, breathing, pausing to reflect on the many truths of the Bible for understanding the ultimate truth, that is Christ, capital T. He's the truth. And so really, in a nutshell, that's what biblical meditation is. Now, Let me take you to a couple of Psalms to help you see how I arrived at this definition. And I'm not just kind of plucking this definition out of the stars that I am actually being biblically informed. And I want to biblically inform you. So Psalm 143 verse 5. Listen to what the psalmist says here. He says, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Now we need to understand something here about Jewish poetry. They would often restate their main point. And so his main point is here, I want to meditate on all your works. And then he restates that by saying, and consider what your hands have done. Now, we all know what considering things is, right? It's it's when you ponder on something, you reflect on something, you you churn that something in your your mind, you you toss around that something like a salad, right, In in your brain. That's what it means to consider something. And that's exactly what meditation is because he's he's using it as a restatement here. And, And what are we to meditate on? Well, he tells us your works or your hands, what your hands have done for us. For us Christians, ultimately, what the hands, literally, of Jesus has won for us, salvation at the cross. And so that's meditation. Now, let me take you to a second psalm, Psalm 119. Now, this is a really big, important psalm. When I read this this week, I thought, wow, this is so critical, so important for us to grasp. He says here, here's the psalmist praying to God. He says in verse 27, cause me to understand the way of your precepts. Now, don't be turned off by the term precepts. It's an old-fashioned word. It means instructions. It means God's heart, God's will, God's mind being expressed in his word. That's what it means, precepts. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts that... The reason that I may meditate or reflect on your wonderful deeds. Now, this is why I say that Christian meditation is about deeply reflecting on the Word of God. Because it's more than just, hey, I've got a reading to do. I've got this new Bible app, and I've got to read three chapters of Leviticus this morning. I've just got to rush through. I've got to get through because I've got things to do. No, it's pausing in order to what? To understand. So I want you to just remember these four R's. These four hours. Number one, read. It's always a good place to start. Read the Word of God. But why are you to read? Just so that you can tick a box? No, no, no. So that you can actually receive the Word. You read in order to receive. That's what the psalmist says. Cause me to what? Understand. That's absorb the Word. Be saturated by the Word. Read in order to receive. Why? 
Third R, to reflect. I read in order to receive the word, in order to reflect on the word. It's often the missing link, all right? It's the bridge between understanding and response, prayer, confession, repentance, worship, whatever it may be. It's the, it's the missing link. Uh, and, 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 and so we read in order to receive, in order to re- uh, reflect. He says that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds in order to, final R, respond. Respond to him in worship. And so this, in a nutshell, is what Christian meditation is. It's not just quickly running through, sprinting through the word of God. It's about breathing, inhaling the truth, stopping, reflecting, pausing, mulling it over, chewing it over in your mind, tossing it around in your brains, thinking, reflecting, breathing. Not rushing, I've got a to-do list, I've got to get there. No, just stop. You read to receive, to reflect, to respond. Yeah? Now, can you see how remarkably different this is to Eastern meditation? Because what's Eastern meditation largely about? Emptying. But we've just seen Christian meditation is largely about considering, f- filling. I, 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 I thought uh, this week, you know, what, what would happen if I jump onto Google Images and just type in meditation? What would happen? And so I did that. I thought, all right, meditation, enter. And this is one of the images that popped up. Right? And, and hey, every single image on the first page, first page of Google, I didn't go on the second page because who does that on Google? No one does that. The first page was just like this one. Every single, I didn't see one image of a Christian with an open Bible reflecting on it. Not one. Now, I want you to notice something about this image. All the arrows are pointing in which direction? Away from the head, away from the brain. Look, there's nothing wrong with the posture. That's a good posture. Great scenery. But the arrows are all pointing in the wrong direction. Now, I don't want to knock this outright. I don't want to criticize this because, listen, there is an aspect of truth in this. There's an aspect of truth. That is, we as Christians, people in general, we have unnecessary, unhelpful clutter in our brains, right? And before we can actually reflect on the things of God, we need to try and empty our brains of those things. And so a little tip for you. When you're reading your Bible, meditating on it, have a little notepad and a pen handy at hand. Not, not your mobile device because you're going to be distracted by it, okay? It's going to kind of, you know, the message and you're going to get notifications on Facebook. You're just going to be tempted to look at it all the time. So probably switch it off, put it away, have a notepad, good old-fashioned notepad. If you have one, office works is down the road. You can buy a notepad there, all right? Have a notepad because this is what I've found. When I reflect, guess what happens? It's like popcorn in the brain. These distractions just pop, pop, pop. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got to do that. I've got to, you know, meet that deadline. If you've, if you've got a dog, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got to feed the dog. Oh, yeah, the cat. It's just, it just happens when you're trying to reflect. The, the devil will make that happen. Right? So, so what you need to do is to project that thought onto the page. So you, you're trying to meditate. Oh, Lord, you're so, oh, yeah, I've got to feed the dog. You've got to put that down on the page because what I've found is that once you've projected it, it gets out of your brain and you can actually stop and reflect and meditate on the Word of God. And so it's a little free tip for you, okay? So I want you to notice all the arrows are pointing away, but ultimately Christian meditation is to have arrows coming in. Have that posture, find a view like that, but arrows need to come in. The Word of God needs to saturate our minds and our hearts. And so that's the what. That's the what. What is Christian meditation? Well, it's deeply reflecting on the things of God, the Word of God. Supremely the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the why. The why question. Why are we to do it? We know the what, but why? Why bother? 
well, 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 a, couple of, a couple of thoughts here, and they all begin with the letter I. The first is identity. Identity. What, what do I mean exactly? The, the German pastor and, and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he lived during the Second World War, and he was killed by the Nazis. He was a German, and he helped Jews escape Nazi Germany. Very courageous man. He loved Jesus with all his heart. And he was a man known to meditate. And this one day, this young guy approached Dietrich and said, Dietrich, why do you meditate? Why do you meditate? And do you know what he said? He said, I meditate because I'm a Christian. <laughs> he said, I'm a Christian, so therefore I meditate. In other words, it's my identity. This is, this is who I am. This is, this is why we are, are Christians, are to meditate, because we are Christians. Just like a living human being means breathing, a follower of Christ, a living follower of Jesus Christ means breathing in his truths, breathing in his presence as we sit in his word, reflecting on his goodness. The two go together. Being a Christian and someone who meditates is one and the same. It's our identity. It's who we are. That leads us naturally to the second I, intimacy. Identity, intimacy, meaning it's when we breathe in the truths and the words of Christ ultimately, when we experience Jesus in his word, when we breathe those into our hearts, guess what happens? Our hearts go deeper and deeper into his heart. We experience more of his intimacy, more of his affection, more of his friendship. The, the German Augustinian monk, and I know I'm quoting Germans this morning. I think a couple of weeks ago I was quoting Greeks all over the place, and I often quote Brits, but this morning Germans. The, the, the Augustinian monk, um, uh, uh, Thomas Akempis, he wrote a very well-known devotional, and you can still grab it, at Kurong, and it's called The Imitation of Christ. And it's largely about what we're thinking about this morning, meditation for intimacy. He said that the main reason why, as Christians, we're to do this thing called meditation is to, quote, form a familiar friendship with Jesus. That's right. To form a familiar friendship with Jesus, where we know in our heart of hearts that he's walking with us. He's talking with us, like the song says. And when he says familiar friendship, he's not talking about buddy-buddy, slap each other on the back kind of friendship. He's talking about this intense, real, close, personal relationship where, where you realize that Jesus is the kind of friend that will always let you in and he'll never let you down. Because that's an ultimate friend, isn't it? Always lets you in, never lets you down. And that's discovered when we meditate, when we spend time with him, reflecting on his goodness, our hearts begin to sink into his heart. Now listen, there's a wonderful byproduct of this intimacy. Wonderful byproduct. Do you know what it is? It's inner transformation. It's inner transformation because when we spend time with Jesus, guess what? We start to become more like him. When we meditate, we start to be transformed. I remember my mom, when I was a little kid, she often used to say this, she used to say to me, Lewis, <clears throat> I don't want you hanging around that boy because he's got bad attitudes and I'm starting to see those attitudes in you. Uh, what my mum didn't realise was that that boy's mum was saying the same thing about me. It's like, Chris, don't hang around Lewis. He's got bad attitudes and those bad attitudes are, are being displayed in, in, in you. And, and it's true, we know this, right? When you, when you hang around people, you start to become like them. 
the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that bad company corrupts good character. But the opposite is always true, also true. When you hang around good company, the church, people of God, ultimately Jesus, guess what? His character, his beauty, his godliness starts to form in us. His aroma kind of flows onto us and we begin to smell and look and resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this year, listen, don't strive for transformation. That's not how transformation comes. Transformation comes when you enjoy Jesus and you sit with him and you marvel at his love and he woos your heart and he reveals things about you and him and your future with him that just soften you and an inner transformation comes about, yeah? So that's intimacy. Identity, intimacy, intimacy. Thirdly, inspiration. Inspiration. Christian meditation is for inspiration. Inspiration flows out of Christian meditation. But what do I mean exactly? What do I mean by inspiration? Let me take you back to the book that we were in last month, the book of Joshua. If you're new with us today, we did a four-part series in the book of Joshua, which we entitled A New Beginning. Not only because it's a new year, but a new era in the life of PCC. It's a special year for us, as Rohan mentioned in the announcements, it's our 40th anniversary, and so we're, we're believing for great things. We're celebrating the past, looking ahead uh, in faith. And so we're in this book, Joshua, and so let me take you back to the very, very beginning, chapter one. We, we, we joined the narrative at a pivotal moment in God's worldwide plan of rescue because his great leader, Moses, has just died. And so Joshua, his successor, has stepped up to the plate and here's God saying to Joshua, commissioning Joshua, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the people of God, my people, into the promised inheritance, the promised land. But in the promised land, there are nations that are bigger and stronger than you. And so Joshua, I want you to remember a couple of things. Verse six, he says, be strong, Joshua, be courageous. And, and I don't know whether Joshua had bad hearing, but, but God repeats himself in verse seven. He says, be strong, Joshua, be courageous. Now, I, I'm kind of thinking, I wonder what Joshua was thinking. When we got, he's just been told by God, commissioned by God, right, you've got to be strong, you've got to take this nation into the promised land. I know Joshua's courageous, but, but maybe it's like thinking, how am I going to be strong? Where's my inspiration going to come from? Do you want me to go to Anytime Fitness and kind of pump weights to get strong? I mean, how is this going to come about? And God tells him, and this is where we join the narrative in verse 8, because listen to these words. Verse 8, this is what God says. He says, keep this book of the law. Now, that sounds really cold and clinical, but it's not. The book of the law was all about God's deliverance, how he rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. And so what he's saying here, keep this book of the law, this law that's all about me and my goodness and my covenant keeping faithfulness, always on your lips. Meditate, listen, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then Joshua, and only then will you be prosperous and successful. You will find your strength, in other words. You'll find the courage to go into this promised land and take these giants. Look, listen, I want you to realize how crazy this is. This is probably the most craziest military strategy in the history of mankind. Because here's Joshua up against it, and here's God saying, this is the strategy. You ready? Breathe, Joshua. Breathe. In my word, out my word. Keep it on your lips. Keep chewing it over. Isn't that amazing? You want courage this year. We need courage this year. We will meet things this year that will get us down. 
And so where are we going to find our inspiration? Not by trying harder, but by breathing, by meditating, by remembering Jesus' words, his promises, reflecting, spending time with him, growing in our intimacy, because that's our, our identity. Amen? So identity, intimacy, inspiration. Now, the how question. So we're still thinking about the mechanics of meditation. How? How? How are we going to actually do this thing called meditation? Well, a couple of things, three things. Number one, we just got to start doing it. <laughs> it's really practical, isn't it? Well, thanks, Lewis, that's helpful. Just got to start doing it. Most of you know that I'm a hairdresser by trade, by profession, which meant, of course, that I had to do an apprenticeship. I had to watch my Italian barber, boss, Luigi, still cutting away. I had to watch him. I had to study him. I had to watch how he cut guys' hair, and he's brilliant. And I thought, oh, that's how you do it. And then when I did my conversion course, the female hairdressing, um, I had to train on mannequins. And that was awesome because I don't argue back. I mean, I stuffed up. <laughs> you should have seen the mannequins on one side. Like, but it was great. They didn't complain at all. And, I, and Christian meditation is just like that. You've got to start doing it. I had to actually pick up a pair of scissors. Would you believe? You really, and, and then I come and I should start cutting away. And I cut away some other things as well. I mean, one guy, this guy's here. You know, this is what happened. But I got better. I got better. All right? And if you want a haircut, I'd love to do your hair. I promise. <laughs> It won't be kind of uneven unless you want to kind of A-line and you want it to be trendy. I can do that, all right? Meditation's like that. you just got to start doing it. You can read about it. You can listen to helpful sermons. Hopefully this one's helpful. And you can even come up to me after the service and say, you know what, that was inspirational. That was really good. But yet, here's the thing. You can love the idea of meditation. You can love reflecting on reflection, but not actually do it. So we just got to start doing it. That's the first thing. Number two, time. Time. You've got to find your time. The time for you. How many, come on, hands up, let's be honest this morning. How many of you are leapers in the morning? Yeah, leapers. You just kind of, you've got the Holy Spirit when you wake up. You don't need caffeine. You just bounce out of bed, up and go. You're ready to go. All right, Christine. All right, that's me. I'm a leaper. That's me. I'm a leaper. And so for me, it works best to have this time, this time of reflection, read, receive, reflect, respond in the morning. Hands up, how many of you are creepers? Most of you. Hey, pat yourself on the back. You're at the first service. That's a good thing. <laughs> You're creepers in the morning. You need caffeine. You don't have the Holy Spirit in the morning. You are a grump. You are a grump. You take hours to wake up. Look, it's probably best for you to do this reflection thing towards the latter part of the day. Like Natalie, all right? Natalie is a creeper in the morning, but she is like a bat. She comes alive at night. She really just comes alive. But me, I'm a, Nat's not here. I'm like, I can say that. She's next door. I'm safe. Just don't tell her, all right? <laughs> in the morning, I'm a leaper. At night, I'm a creeper. You don't talk to me past 10 p.m., all right? The only thing I want to reflect on is my doona, and that's all I reflect on. And so you've got to work out your time. What works best for you? Listen, if morning doesn't work, if night doesn't work, if afternoon doesn't work, let me suggest something. You're too busy. You're too busy. You're too busy for God. And I just want to kind of leave that with you to realign your priorities. So that's the second thing before you throw things my way. It's time. Time. Number three, place. Now, Hill in three weeks, he's going to focus more on this place, uh, the idea of solitude, finding your space. Um, just a couple of thoughts here. You've got to find a place or a spot free from distractions. 
a quiet place. It could be your kitchen for me. Most mornings it's my kitchen. That is before Maddie wakes up and she's saying, you know, I want breakfast, I want breakfast. She's uh, two and a half. Uh, and it's, it's kind of peaceful, uh, except for Mad. Uh, you've got to find your place where, where it's peaceful, peaceful. It might be kind of overlooking a nice uh, landscape. There is a profound connection between creation and meditation. I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 2. God walked with Adam and Eve. Where? In the garden. And so there's this lovely connection. And so, you know, sometimes lunchtime I can go walking Lake Power. I know Hill likes doing that, but you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, we're not pastors. We don't get that luxury, right? To kind of just go for a nice stroll any anytime we want. Well, you've got to find that place. It may be your car. Look, I found this this picture. This this look at this. This is called a car hammock. All right. And maybe you need to invest in one of these. <laughs> Especially if your time is at work, it's it's during your lunch break. You know, maybe grab one of these. Can you can you pitch yourself one of these? Probably not. All right, probably not. I don't think they're going to sell many. Um, but you just got to find your place, your place. Yeah. So that's the how. Hopefully, some helpful things we could think about others, but 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 for time's sake, let's move on. So so we've thought about the mechanics of meditation. Now, more importantly, the the main consideration, the bigger question, that is, what's going to give us the oomph? What's going to give us the enthusiasm to to actually do this thing, to form and cultivate this particular habit, meditation? What, What, in other words, is the motivation of meditation? That's the big question on the table that we're going to think about for the next five, seven minutes. I believe that the motivation of meditation is what Jesus, listen to me, what Jesus is currently thinking about. It's what Jesus is currently meditating on. And what is that? Well, he's likely thinking about many things. But I think he's reflecting on, he's meditating on something in particular. There's something at the top of the pile that he's thinking about. And you know what I believe that is? It's the same thing he was reflecting on the night before the cross. And what was that? Well, let's go to the text. John 17. This is what we read in John 17. This is Jesus' prayer, heartfelt prayer. It's amazing that we get to listen in on Jesus' heartfelt cry, his prayer, his prayerful meditation. And he says this right at the end of John 17. In verse 24, he says these words, Father, listen, Father, I desire. He says, I desire. Now, just pause there. The term desire is, is not a weak phrase word, like, oh, I just, I kind of want this thing. I just, I desire it. It's, it's this intense word. It, it's packed full of meaning and heat and passion and intense emotion and care. I desire, but what does he desire? Well, let's read on. Father, I desire that they also, he's talking about us, whom you have given me, that's that's amazing, that we belong to God before the creation of the world, and God gave us to Jesus. And then he goes on to say, I desire that they may, what, be with me. You hear that? I I want them to be with me. This is his eager passion, what he's thinking about right now, I believe. He He wants us to be with him to do what? Well, he says, to see my glory. His glory here will be, because we all experience it, and it's going to be jaw-droppingly amazing, his unshielded, unvowed beauty, his beauty. 
And all our longings, all our yearnings, all our desires will be fulfilled in that very moment when our our eyes lock onto his. When we see him, because we will realize that this is not only the son of God who who is the creator, but we will notice his, his now pierced hands and his feet and his side that speak of costly love. He did all that to win us to himself so that we could enjoy seeing him and be eternally satisfied in his presence. You see, this, I believe, is what will motivate meditation when we realize deep within that Jesus is not tolerating us. He's not putting up with us. Oh, there's Christians that keep making mistakes. He's not wanting to parade our mistakes or our flaws before us. He wants you. He wants you. He wants us. Listen. Nothing will kill meditation, prayerful reflection quicker than failing to believe this. Failing to believe that Jesus actually really does want us in his presence, wants to spend time with us. If you, if you don't believe that, if we don't believe that, we're not going to pray. We're not going to meditate. Hmm? You, you want to be around people that want to be around you, right? You don't want to be around those who don't want to be around you. That's the way it goes. Jesus wants to be around you. He wants you to be around him. And yet, listen to me. How do we know that this is not just mere sentimentality, just mere emotionalism? We live in a culture that is all about sentiment, sentimentality, right? They promise you that I'll cross the oceans for you, and yet they won't even cross the street for you, right? That's the kind of age and the culture we live in. So how do we know that Jesus is going to be true to his word, not just being emotional? Well, let let me tell you why. Because he went through with what happened on the very next day. This is not mere sentimentality. He had the chance, the opportunity in the Garden of Gethsemane to run, to run. And yet he didn't. What did he say? Father, this is crushing me. This is crushing me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the cross for your fame, for your glory, and also because I want those you've given to me to be with me forever. And so he took his passion to the tree. He took it to the cross. And there, you know what? He was meditating on the Bible. Jesus was meditating on Scripture. We know that because one Scripture, he cried out. And what was that? Psalm 22 from the cross. My God, my God, why have you what? Detached yourself from me. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Listen, he was ignored that day because he didn't hear any response from the Father. He was ignored. We deserve to be ignored by God because of our God ignoring sin. How we prefer other things to him. We don't really want to meditate or reflect. And yet Jesus suffered for us there. He was ignored so that when we prayerfully reflect, we will be heard. We'll be heard. He was emptied on the cross. This is the Son of God, the truth being emptied completely. We deserve to feel empty. We deserve not to hear God when we prayerfully reflect. But he was emptied so that we would be filled when we come into the presence of God to meditate. This is the motivation. And so this is how we know that he loves us and wants us today, right now. Because he loved us and wanted us there on the cross. This is the motivation of meditation. Yeah? And so this is how I want to conclude this service. I want us to actually do it. That was one of the points. Let's just do it. Let's not just reflect on reflection. Let's actually do it. Let's meditate. What I want to do, I want to turn to... Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. This wonderful, heartwarming invitation of Christ. 
And if it helps, if you close your eyes, you can do that. It's on the screen. I'm just going to ask the musos to jump up if, if, if you could. Thank you. Just play something quietly in the background. And I want us to pause for three minutes or so. We've got time, we've got 10 minutes. I just want you to pause. And what I want you to do is meditate on Jesus' words here. And when you meditate, I want you to imagine Jesus standing at the door of your life, standing at the door of your heart. And he's knocking. And listen to his words. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Remember, the one who's knocking has grace-scarred hands, now-pierced hands. He's the friend that always lets you in and never let you down. And so his invitation is, let me in. Let me in more fully into your life. And he says, I will come in and we will eat. We will eat with that person. The most wonderful thing you can do with a close friend is sit down over a nice meal, nice hot curry or whatever it may be. Just sit and enjoy a meal with them. That's my meal of choice. And so if you just pause, reflect, I just want you to meditate on this for a moment. I'm going to give you three minutes while the, the musos play. <laughs> 